Hey, Mark Lee here. You're hearing music by the band Lake, band I spent over 10 years on the road with, and it's from their new album, Roundelay. It's a song called Forgiveness, written by Ashley Erickson. She's an old friend of mine, and we're going to talk about her solo career. So I hope you all enjoy the show. Another thing before we start, you can use your support. So tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review, go to patreon.com slash low profile if you can help us financially. Uh, if you're on Patreon right now, you're going to be entered in a monthly drawing. And at the time of recording this, you have a 50% chance of winning if you're already on board. So enjoy the rest of the show. Hope you like it. Bye. our dog's birthday oh really loga yeah yeah loga turned two today oh well happy birthday loga yeah thank you what are you doing to celebrate your dog's birthday uh we've we've been just being really nice to her doing playing with her a lot and we have been saving a forest adventure for for this day um, normally we do this this wide open trail walk uh, that is through a clear cut mm-hmm. but uh, but then there's these other woods that we never go in that are kind of beautiful deep dark woods um, that only have like old trails and animal trails and and so we have been talking about this for a few weeks, how on her birthday we'll go exploring in the, in the, the, the deep woods. Um, now, yeah, and we did. And, but it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so uh, you want to talk about where you live, where I'm talking to you right now? Oh, sure. Um, uh, w- my husband, Eli, and I live on Whidbey Island on the south end of Whidbey Island. Uh, so there's a, a few beaches where you can see Seattle from Whidbey Island. So if that gives um, perspective to where we are um, in the Puget Sound, but it's still, um, 
like Seattle's like tiny little um, little speck, <laughs> but we can see it. Um, yeah, so you take a ferry that's 15 minutes to the mainland, and then Seattle's like 20 minutes south from there without traffic. Well, Ashley, you're one of my favorite friends. We've been we've been friends for a long time now. And I think uh You're one of my favorite friends. Oh. And for for the sake of the listeners, uh I spent a little over a decade playing in the band Lake with Ashley, uh along with Eli and Andrew, who you've all heard on the show before if you've been listening. We're we're here to talk about Ashley's solo output because she's a fantastic home recorder, singer, songwriter, arranger, and uh, mastermind of the tape machine and uh, now I assume computer as well. So I, um, <laughs> I want to play, <laughs> I, I wanna play um, maybe just a few clips of some of your uh, earliest output. I'm assuming if uh, I asked to play the the song about Ratty that you probably would protest. No, no, that's fine. Okay, well, um, this uh, when when I first came to see you perform, um, I didn't really know what I was walking into. I was on my first date with the woman I'm now married to, and and you were playing this song. It was just a kind of melancholy kind of drony folk song with uh, you know sweet lyrics about your pet rat who passed away and uh, got quite a shock in the middle of this beautiful somber tune and it really stuck with me I think that you're thinking of the song this is it makes sense but I think you're thinking about the song about the rabbit who died the rabbit that's what it was that's the one you you still you still don't want me to play that one no you can play that it's fine (laughs) it doesn't no no it's fine those are Um, those are both from dead animals right 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 those are the dead animals featured on dead animals that CD was bootlegged uh, amongst my circle of friends in the Mojave Desert shortly after its release. And uh, I think it it's probably still kicking around on a lot of hard drives in some garages, but it's really hard to find this music. So we're not going to give you the whole thing here, but hope you enjoyed a taste of it. Yeah, I think a taste is, is good. Like a... <laughs> A little taste. I, I, I mean, I have, uh, I don't have all of my old music, but I, you know, I have the power to put it online or not. And I, every time I've thought it through in the past few years, I think, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't need to put that online. <laughs> yeah, it's I have, fine. I have some the of The world doesn't need this, but, <laughs> um, I've, from my point of view, but if other people want to hear it and they put it up, I won't protest. 
All right, well, y'all heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so you, you put out some home recordings that were just, yeah, really, really touching and uh, really, I feel like, I feel like they've aged well, honestly. Was the good-looking, attractive people, I remember that that started floating up in the uh, in the bootleg scene. Yeah, I would say, yeah, that's definitely the first band that I, I formed. Like, I came up with the idea. I, I brought the people together, took pictures of them, and we recorded... Uh, four songs at my parents' house in the kitchen. Um, yeah, that was Andrew Dorset and Lindsay Sheaf and Bill Gray. Right. I think our f- uh, maybe we had like a four song EP. Does that sound right? Yeah, four or five songs. Four or five songs. Uh, and they weren't all my songs, too. I think we had a song that. Andrew and I collaborated on that were his his lyrics and we wrote the music together. And did that group perform ever or anything? Um I don't think so. I yeah, I think no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before I met Andrew, I was really into the Beach Boys recordings and the idea of things being very um, uh, having lots of harmonies I think is a big was one of the big things for me but um, kind of these dense recordings and I was only getting just starting recordings so my recordings weren't necessarily dense but they were orchestrated And after meeting Andrew, he was really into this album, this Wilco album. Uh, What's it called? Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that the production on that album is so cool and unique. And you hear lots of um, ambient sounds that come in and out. and you don't, you kind of don't hear when they are starting or when they're going away. They just kind of, uh, so I think even though our recording is, you know, isn't that as complicated as that, I think that was also an influence at that time. So there's like little kid instruments, um, making ambient sounds in, in the room. <laughs> that's, that's what I think of when I think of those recordings. She's sure. also making like noise. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you still have those recordings kicking around somewhere? I haven't. Honestly, we Eli and I like part of this uh, um, home, stay at home, stay healthy, uh, work from home time. Uh, Eli just went through all of our random CDRs and we listened to some, and that was not one of them. It's, it seems significant that we also, we were recording at, um, I lived at this apartment building called Das Bauhaus in Northridge. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they had this piano bar with a bar built on onto it at the, you know, like in the common space for the apartment building. And we recorded that song, one of the songs there. Uh, 
And I did other recordings that were like just up until seasonal music. Um, uh, oh, well, I was making a concept album that I was calling Decarnation, uh, or Decarnation, which I kind of never finished, but I was working on that there and doing good-looking, attractive people around the same time. So seasonal music, that happened in, uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong, that happened in Providence, Rhode Island, largely? Yeah. So I moved to Rhode Island for about six months, five to six months. And I, I don't think I was recording anything during the summer when I, I took a class. I went there for a summer and was taking... I wanted to go to Rhode Island School of Design. Um, and so I was just checking out the kind of the city and, and what the school was like during the summer, during a, for a summer class, and then moved there in the fall. Uh, but, uh, well, I don't want to get too much into the story, but... Uh, yes, I recorded seasonal music in the winter there while I was living there. And I had this apartment and just was getting more and more uh, isolated. And um, in a, like, I think I was sort of depressed for the first time in my life, but also it was kind of good for art because I was I just was almost afraid to leave I just wanted to work on art like at the at the very height of that time and uh just felt like everything was made in this tiny little space That's what seasonal music is like a coming of age story about experiencing winter for the first time by myself. Yeah, that album does have um, like a, a hint of darkness to it, to say the least. But, um, it, you know, it, I feel like it captures that essence of having your first winter up on your own. And uh, a great way to deal with cabin fever, which a lot of people are trying to figure out for themselves right now for the first time. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. I'm not um, sure when this is going to come out, but if it comes out any time in 2020, people will know what we're talking about there. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. We don't have to call it anything else other than that. Um, but uh, I something that sticks out to me about that about seasonal music that's different than the previous recordings was that my drum like I think before I was getting like one little instrument at a time and, and expanding my collection but that but like I would so before um, I moved to Rhode Island I all I had was a bass drum at first and then I had a snare drum but uh, I didn't I don't think I had a hi-hat yet maybe and I think I got cymbals. I think maybe I got cymbals for the first time when I was in Rhode Island. But um, but I couldn't play a full drum set. And my whole idea, like, concept of recording was recording one little thing at a time. So the drums on that album are... They have, like, really intricate drum parts, but the reason that would be hard to... I mean... They would be cool for a drummer to play, um, but I actually couldn't play them. Um, they were just like pieced together one, like bass drum. At, yeah, one drum um, at a time. Th- one piece at a time. Yeah. 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 That the the drumming is very interesting on those albums, uh, on that one in particular. Um, what? Yeah. On on you, Happy Man. Yeah. Yeah. Is it all right if we play a, a piece of Happy Man here? Yeah. The seasonal music version? Yeah. I used to drive to stay alive Until this one day I saw a trailer The horses all fell out All over the freeway the ground steaming with blood It was raining and muddy A happy man In a golden mean Isn't smiling all the time Isn't smiling all the time Isn't smiling all the time and so, Happy Man and several of the other songs on seasonal music, and I'd say most of the songs on the version of Decarnar Nation that is available digitally right now um, wound up as lake recordings eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's because... Um, I was living in Rhode Island and making this music and Lindsay had moved to Olympia. Uh, and, um, I, I think I, when I was living in Rhode Island, she was really into Eli's band, the Palisades. And she, we would talk on the phone and she'd be, and she'd say, Oh, Ashley, I think you'd really like this band. I remember looking them up online. And then I think she shared my music also with Eli um, so when I eventually wanted to, like I met Eli and then really wanted to play music with Lindsay and Eli and moved to Olympia, 
they had already been hearing these songs of mine that they um, wanted to play. So that that that's kind of how that happened, even though they were older songs. Um, that was just the easiest thing to be like, oh, yeah. Lindsay was like, I'm going to learn that drum part on that song. So it's all yeah, Lindsay's it's fault. Sarah. It's all Lindsay's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Bless her. Yeah, and then uh, then you guys convinced Andrew to move up there or up here to yeah, Olympia. Yeah, I wrote Andrew a letter. I wrote Andrew a letter of all the reasons, a long list, I, it, over a page long of why he should move to Olympia and read it to him over the phone. And then the two of you wound up, uh, I don't know if you were reading the same letter, but you had me on the phone and kind of gave me a very similar list. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was up here a couple weeks later, so. What a tangled web. But, yeah. You... I think they're really, like... Do you remember the reasons were there, like, for for you? Was it, like, the music or the rent or the co-op? Was there anything that stuck out to you? There, Yeah, I so I heard that um, there was berries growing everywhere, because this was in oh, the yeah. summertime. <laughs> um, rent was very affordable. Um, it was... You could play you could play a show every night if you want to. Uh, yeah. And yeah, uh, varied weather, which I was living in the Mojave Desert and I didn't know what that was like. So it was cool to um, come up and get a taste of what the seasons were like. And. What else? I I think you guys were um, really pushing like swimming. How swimming was in <laughs> a hot commodity yeah. around here. Right. Uh, there's yeah, there's still a lot of good reasons to live in this area. But. Yeah, I, that's really refreshing to hear all those things. Um, even when you just said the berries, I was like, oh yeah, that was so amazing. I think to- I had been officially in Olympia for about 20 minutes before I joined a throng of like a dozen people to take a quick walk into the woods and just fill up baskets full of berries and then there was pie later that day (laughs) yeah (laughs) like okay this place is kind of magical what have I been doing with my life or I can't I mean there were so many random car rides where the, you wouldn't even know people and they would be like, hey, we're going to the lake. Like, want to come? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, this is Eli Moore from the band Lake. We have a new album out now and it's called Round You can hear it playing in the background. Ashley Erickson, Andrew Dorsett, and I made this album in Anacortes, Washington at the Unknown Recording Studio. You can find Roundelay at LakeTheBand.com on vinyl or in streaming and digital formats. Check it out, check it out, check it out. You obviously continued writing songs here. When when I first moved up here, um, I feel it was... I think it was within a week or so of having been up here and you told me 
about this crazy dream you had where you were riding in some like beautiful pastel colored hearse going to your own funeral to like crash into the river right. or something and then you wrote a really nice song about it and I feel like probably you have some some fans who are listening to this who have heard that song but have no idea what it's about do you remember that dream oh yeah yeah um, let, let, I think that's like something juicy to throw in here it's time to go Yeah, so, uh, um, and it's one of those dreams where uh, it's a rare dream, like a super rare dream. I've never had a dream like that before. It wasn't a recurring dream. Um, and it, I actually had it when we were recording um, the first Lake album up in Anacortes, at the unknown or not at the unknown it's before the unknown uh at the department of safety right which was uh, a converted fire department yeah, yeah right so i wonder how long that place existed but it had been going on for a while when we recorded there uh it was an, like an art gallery and but art collective like we were saying before where people were living who were artists and um, I don't know how they got their grants and stuff, but I think it was pretty cheap rent. And anyways, so we were recording there with Carl. Um, Carl was borrowing other people's stuff and had his own recording stuff. And um, we were sleeping like it's an old firehouse. So there's also like bunks, like rooms with multiple beds for people to sleep in. So I think we were sleeping there. I was sleeping in like a bunk and I had this dream that it was very like, um, uh, what's his name? Um, he, uh, the Southern right. Oh, Faulkner. Uh, I had this very like Faulkner kind of dream of this old, um, woman, like kind of Victorian woman who, uh, she like could take, 
she she was have she was gonna like take her own life because she knew she was dying and she needed to die um and so she was having this sort of dignified planned death where she would take this pill and then get into a river um and uh and the river would take her away so and she would have this very like euphoric end of life experience where she was dying but also um floating upstream in a river and uh, the part that you talked about or with the uh, hearst um instead of having like where everyone's wearing black and the hearst is black and the the carriage is black it was like more like a like a carousel style um like very colorful um like open carriage um uh and everything's like dressed up like it's this beautiful uh wake you know i'm thinking like uh so, like easter bonnets like yeah, uh, yeah like, more like easter than funeral yeah. exactly that's a really good that's a good oh i just made the microphone too loud but uh yeah like <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah and then it's so beautiful because uh in the dream I was hurt, the woman, and so I, like, take this pill and, like, every, and every, while everyone's, like, taking, like, the town is taking me down to, to die in this river, have this beautiful, dignified death, and I get into the river in my clothes, and then the, my head is going downstream, and so the, the feeling is, 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 like, flying, um, like you're fi- flying upwards, like going straight upwards. Yeah. And which was just such a cool um, idea that just the sort of thing you're like, you don't think that when you're daydreaming in your normal, you know, waking life. It was just such a crazy specific dream. And I woke up and yeah, I made a song about it. Well, cool. Cool song, Ashley. Thank you. Yeah. You've been writing a lot of cool songs lately. Um, can, can you tell me about this Ashley Erickson disco project a little bit? have a theme to work within and I forgot about that um and with disco I've just I've always loved disco I think I didn't know that I loved disco when I was when I was a kid but um disco was a part of ABBA um a part you know in their long very long careers um which my parent which my parents were very into ABBA and we had all their albums uh uh, there was the disco period, and that's how people usually think of them. But um, so, if, like over the years, I had to realize, like, oh yeah, I like disco, and then I uh, like I like other kinds of disco, or like um, I want to know more about disco. So um, yeah, like in the last few years, I think like hearing things like Daft Punk or um, 
or music that still happens today that's like so disco it's still like disco never went away and um and I, I'm always, I, I'm like, oh yeah, this is just like the perfect dance music. I love dancing to disco. And uh, and then you talk to someone who hates disco. They just randomly are like, uh, there's, it's kind of like people who say that they hate drum machines or they like, they hate something in music. And you're like, how can you, it just sound, it makes them sound like they, they've just, not really gone into like they haven't researched it or just don't know very much about it um or the context of that music and uh when people say things like that so with disco i just had i think i had like run into that a few times with people and try like instead of trying to explain to people why they should like disco i was just like you know what i'm just gonna go away like deeper. I just want to learn about it more. I want to listen to it all the time. And it was around like January or February that I had this idea. And I thought, you know, I just, I just need to write like a hundred disco songs and that will make me feel like I've done this justice or something. Of course, like (laughs) any, any sane person would do. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so I, I was like this is gonna be my new year's resolution i'm just i, I can do this uh and that was ju- it was just so fun to have this goal and have this so that was like um i guess that's 2017 that i had this idea um and how many songs did and, you have in october of that year oh gosh not enough not enough at all. I was probably at like 40. Uh, <laughs> so I really had to, at the, in the last couple months, I really had to hunker down and do a lot. And I asked other, some friends too to send me tracks. Um, it, I also had the idea that it would have to be um, covers also as a way to study disco. And they didn't always have to be disco songs. They would be something some song and then trying to do it in a disco style or just add sound effects to make it sound more di- I don't know just uh it was a very loose concept it turned out by the end and I wasn't necessarily writing songs in a in a disco style or genre because that's actually really hard I discovered that it most like the music that I really liked was very produced and very um, intricate and tight and the musicianship was really um, impeccable <laughs> so I felt I just like I would try to write songs and I was trying to write them in a hurry and I just they were not sounding like disco but anyways I wrote all these songs and what it ended up like the overarching thing that happened was it just it felt like a musical it felt like it was a a concept album about disco. It was characters, these characters were developing who were uh, in this disc, in this world that um, that was kind of from the research I'd done, the way that things were in the late 70s where disco was underground and then disco was suddenly commercialized and um, everywhere. And uh, 
people, some people were, um, like some people found a lot of freedom with disco. Like it could be a place if you were a person of color, um, it, it can it was originally, a, um, from, uh, black people and, uh, um, like Latin people in New York and, uh, also became a place like a disco. It could be a very accepting place to be gay and go to dance and hang out. Um, and it was also often at the same, like a venue would have music, they would have shows. And then after the show would, you could like go to the disco. So it was a lot of crossover between different music scenes. Um, but then for some people, like if you weren't wearing the right kind of thing or you didn't have, you weren't cool enough or, and you would show up or you would get turned around or, um, so like there were two different sides to that, but then also people just started hating the over commercialization of disco and started, anyways, I think I'm getting too deep into it, but oh, no, just no, this thinking is really about fascinating. Just thinking about that time period and all the different people having such a strong, um, uh, such strong emotions around this music, um, uh, just was so was gave gave me a lot of inspiration to write about uh, develop characters basically. Yeah, so it. Um, after the year was over and I had finished my hundred songs, hundred recordings, I kind of had this feeling like, should I just do another year, another hundred? I feel like this could keep going. <laughs> uh, but it was like, no, 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 I should stop. And like, I don't know, think it all through and try to write a musical. So now, um, I, I put the, I put the word out to different writer friends to, see if people wanted to write a musical with me. And my sister wrote a piece and Reed Urban, who lives, he used to live in Olympia and lives in Maine now. And he, he write, he wrote a piece. And then, uh, my friend, Jen Delari, uh, who was originally a Lake fan and we met at shows and, uh, she said that she was a writer and that she was really interested. And so she basically took it over and now we've had a first draft and we are, we're on our second draft and it is like a, a full on musical that we've written and it's awesome. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to, I can't <laughs> wait to witness that. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have, do you have a working title for it yet or? Uh, we've been calling the script disco 77. Disco seven seven. Yeah. Yeah. Or or were we just calling it just seven? Maybe it's just seventy seven. Uh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's very just, exciting. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And um, I understand that you said that you might be able to sing us a song from that today. Oh sure. Um. So we're we're talking about well I don't know do you, I was asking about Hey Laura that one uh, just really yeah. oh I don't know that song that song knocks me out <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that's actually the most recent song is it I had I actually is that I didn't number 100? write it like 
It's like 101. So oh. I had uh, I had on my phone I, music ideas that I never got around to making into songs from that time. And when uh, Jen and I were working on the disco musical, we got together and we were just like looking up stuff on YouTube and showing each other things that were influences for us and um, exciting things that were from that era. And uh, she said that her favorite disco song was Copacabana. And I was like, oh, what? Copacabana? That's disco? And then we listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, that is disco. That is incredible. So... So then, so I dedicate this song, Hey Laura, to, to Jen, because uh, I was like, I'm going to make this song idea that I never did, you know, never finished. I'm like, I'm going to make a Copacabana song for Jen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. So, okay, here we go. So it's called Hey Laura and Laura's going to be, um, uh, like one of the main characters in the in the story. I feel like most people have a Laura they can imagine while they hear this song too. So just go ahead and think of Laura. <laughs> oh, okay. It starts like right away. So here we go. Laura, I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. Hey, Laura, I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. You were standing next to me, towering above me with your heels on. You're such a doll. Your dress is like a curtain sheet, dancing in the sunshine of the disco scene. When you dance, you're full of soul, and so unbelievable, you're in control. It's wonderful. And you are like a disco queen, pulling up in fashion with your limousine. You're so extreme, hey Laura. I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. Hey Laura, I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. After you have had a drink, you are ready for a little mingling and jingling. Stepping out onto the floor, looking for some more of that old dancing scene. If you would like to have a dance, I would like to have a chance to spin you around. Turn upside down. I may not be the best in class, but I sure as hell can raise my jazz for the blood queen. You're such a dream. Hey, Laura. I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. Hey, Laura. I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. This break is just classic, by the way. You're such a dream, hey, Laura. I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. Hey, Laura, I'd like to see you dance again tomorrow. 
this is Eli Moore from the band Lake. We have a new album out now, and it's called Round You can hear it playing in the background. Ashley Erickson, Andrew Dorsett, and I made this album in Anacortes, Washington at the Unknown Recording Studio. You can find Round at lakethaband.com on vinyl or in streaming and digital formats. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Wow. So um, I would probably be getting a lot of hate mail if we didn't bring up the fact that you did the theme music for a popular cartoon show called Adventure Time, uh, the ending theme. You want to you wanna talk about how that whole development came about? Sure. Um, I'll, yeah, first, when we first made the... Uh, so when I made that song, it was... There were two Christmases in a row where Eli and I, we didn't want to get each other Christmas presents. Um, and as musicians, you're songwriters. It's like you're a songwriter, and then very long periods of time go by when you don't write. And you just keep letting life get in the way, and um, and so we started. To, so we had come up with this idea, like we should just. We that's the most important thing to us and like to each other is that we write music. So let's just make that our Christmas present. Um, and so that was a song that I wrote for Eli, Christmas, um, and. And you've been trying your hand at animation yourself lately, right? Yeah. Actually, if we had been, um, if this had been a video thing, I could show you. I'm working on a lake, uh, an animation for a lake video. Uh, And it's the first time I've actually, I mean, if I can finish this project, it will be my first animation that I've done on my own. I've I've only worked on other people's projects. at this point and not like had to do all of the, the parts um uh so it'll be interesting it'll be a good experience and then i can uh i don't know submit it to film festivals or something yeah that's great how many uh how many frames can you do in a day oh gosh well um honestly i so at the beginning of stay at home, uh, I was doing, I was working on it every day and I could do, I, I don't, I don't want to say it in terms of frames, but I was doing one shot a day. Um, but also, and then if you include coloring, then that might take another day. So yeah, one to two days per shot. Hmm. Um, and maybe there'll be like 50, 50 to 60 shots. <laughs> wow. A lot of it takes a long time. It takes a really long time. Um and I'm still working on it. Um I'm maybe like one eighth of the way in right now. Uh but I feel really good and um but also so then the hospitals in in the northwest have been asking for people who know how to sew to make masks. Um, or to either cover the the N95 masks that the frontline people wear, um, so that they can, because they have there's not enough masks 
so they have to re-wear the same mask over and over again, but that means that they're, they're, they're carrying the germs, like, in between the different patients in the room, so, right. so, so they want the fabric mask so they can cover the masks, um, and then wash them and then cover, the, you know, so they want lots of fabric masks, also so they can give fabric masks to the people who don't need the masks as much, um, but who still should wear masks. And then, um, so it helps reserve the best masks for the frontline people. And then also, it's good to have these masks to, um, if you have, if you are sick and you're coughing and sneezing, then that'll stop the spray from spreading as much. Um, so I, I kind of, yeah, like that, it, I'm letting that take up more than half of my time right now, just to get it done and because because I can I have the I have tools for that well you have many talents Ashley and <laughs> and a great heart and mm, thank you the world's a better place because of you so so thanks for all thank you, you do um let's see I, I feel like we we didn't talk at all about your your colors LP which is um the only, the only Ashley Erickson that has been put out on a label that you didn't put out yourself, uh, K Records, and that that was a really nice collection. That um, if I remember right, you did sort of in between a couple Lake Records. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, in a similar way, it's cool for um, a or to write an album like when you're like because I have because of Blake um, there's all the songs that are sort of happening all the time there's certain songs that come, yeah, can kind of funnel towards Blake or funnel into other projects um, and and then time goes by and this feeling of needing to do something that is like strongly like your own identity where you make all the decisions um that kind of, that that occurs for me so um with the disco project that's sort of how that was and then colors was that too where um like there's lake and there's other things but then like i'm not really want to do my own thing and my idea for colors was that uh i would play it was very piano based. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, I, I was, I did a lot of, I did the recordings for that album. I would travel around to different places and different pianos. And there's a piano, not on every song, but on a lot of the songs. Yeah. I remember that. That was, uh, you, you went to every piano you could find in Olympia. Yeah, and then so after the album was done, that was how we promoted promoted it. That was Eli's idea, and he kind of spearheaded this video project of playing the songs on different pianos in Olympia and then putting out videos of that on YouTube. Are those still available? Oh, yeah, that they're all on YouTube. That's a really fun thing to check out if, if uh, people haven't seen it before also kind of gives you a tour of the neighborhood around here so 
Well, Ashley, I, I think we did it. Cool. Yeah. Um, I want to go out on does your life... Uh, I want to go out on does your wife life... Ah, okay. I'm glad I can edit this and it's not live. <laughs> you probably already know what I'm going to say. Oh, should I tell you about the story for that song? Does uh, your wife like disco? Yeah, we're, we're talking about does your wife like disco? And <laughs> yeah, you can you tell us a little bit about that before we sign off? Yeah, I'd love to. So I was in I was in Norway hanging out with Inga Ward and um, in Oslo, and we go to this like outdoor um, like bar like food cart place, and this guy shows up who who uh, Ingeborg knows from somewhere, and she kind of like introduces him while he's talking to someone else, and I I guess I misunderstood what she said. But I thought she said that his wife was really into disco um, <laughs> and that, you know, I should meet this, meet him, meet his wife, like whatever. And so, um, <laughs> so, so then she goes away and I'm sitting next to him and we're like getting acquainted and like, you know, we talk about a few things and then there's some silence. And then I say, so does your wife like disco and it, I mean, <laughs> turns out he did he did not have a wife he did not like she did not like disco uh and he just like he was so um i mean that was just so weird for him that i said that he was like <laughs> that's my wife like disco i i can't i can't do a manchester accent but um he was from manchester and oh it's just so that I was like, okay, well, that'll be a good song title, I guess. But I wrote that in my phone uh, that <laughs> night, and uh, and then I get also at my parents' house. I hadn't written the song yet, and I wrote no, no, I had written the song, uh, but added an idea for another song that would somehow like relate to that song. Um. And it was called Send Me a Husband, kind of like the song Send Me an Angel, Send Me a Husband. And I wrote that song idea uh, down on a piece of paper at my parents' house. And so it said, does your wife like disco? And then on the other side of the paper, it said, send me a husband. And so then I guess when I wasn't around, my dad came home from uh, being, you know, in Sweden. And... Um, you know, like he had been gone for a few months and he came home and he found that piece of paper and he thought that my mom had written it. And he, <laughs> <laughs> and he just, he comes down and he's holding the piece of paper up like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Like, what? <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are you thinking? Like, what are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> So, anyways, it's just that song is just endlessly like, even just before even writing the song, and then the song takes on its own life, which is great too. But like, just that that phrase, there's just so much in that phrase. It's so funny for me. Okay, that's that's my little story about the song. That's a, that's a great anecdote. Well, Ashley Erickson. People can find your music on the internet. They could find it at finer record shops. Yeah. 
They can follow the band Lake at laketheband.com. Uh, anything we're missing here? No, I don't think so. 